Imagine a football platform where the world's best writers give you the real story about what's going on at United. Imagine no pop-up ads, no clickbait headlines and no ridiculous rumours to be let down by anymore. You don't have to imagine anymore. Meet The Athletic. No ads, no nonsense, just football. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand to start your 30-day free trial and get 50% off your annual subscription. The Athletic, the new home of football. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm with Viv Anderson, a Nottingham lad, 62 years of age now. And he had a excuse fair, me, excuse me. Sorry, Viv, how old are you? 62 and a half. 62 and a half. Nearly <laughs> uh, 63. Uh, Viv had a great career. He played for Nottingham Forest when they were the best team in the world. <laughs> Arsenal, Manchester United. I can remember him joining United in 87. I can remember his first home game against Arsenal. When Arsenal fans sang, what a waste of money, and United fans replied, at least we've got the money. Oh, right. <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, Middlesbrough, uh, England International. The first black player, no less, to represent England in a full... Well, you forgot to say I was Alex match. Ferguson's first signing. You were Alex Ferguson's because, first signing. Well, uh, well, welcome to United We Stand's <laughs> podcast, first of all. Thank you. Um, myself and Brian McClare came at the same time. But alphabetically, I win. So every time I see Brian McClure, I say, I'm the first. And he say, no, I'm the first. I say, no, look at the record books. It says A for Anderson. Well, Brian is a regular is on it? United We Stand. We see him a lot. Uh, he's living up in Edinburgh now. Yeah, he's still around the corner from the office. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're based in, still in Manchester? In, in Bowdoin, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. what are you doing now? We have a company called Play On Pro where we look after old players. We have some current players. We have an app that we uh, try to get the older players' work opportunities. It's a bit of a, um, it's a glorified WhatsApp for sports stars. I'm going to stay away from footballers. We talk about sports people, men and women, that uh, come to the end of the career and look for something to do. You know, you pick up the, you pick up the, uh, the phone every morning looking if somebody's left a message or whatever it may be, and you seem to get cut off. You know, I've had players come in the office. I say, go on then, tell me how many ex-players you got on your phone. And one said, four. And they've been all over. Because yeah. you go, there's like ships in the night, aren't they? They play yeah. for a little while, then they move on to another club, get a few friends there, or acquaintances. But real friends, he had four real friends that were footballers. So they lose track very quickly. It's a great story. We, we have an app for them, uh, and it's invite only. It's fingerprint, it's uh, bank security, so nobody can get into it. And I invited Steve Hodge uh, and Kevin Gallen. They played together at QPR 20-odd years before. Last track, met up again. Oh, how are you? How are you doing? What, they're texting one another. And they found a relationship that they had 20-odd years ago. And they're big friends now. So that's what we're doing. You lose the camaraderie. You lose the team spirit once you go into the big wide world. You know, And that's what we're trying to do is trying to help them to bridge that gap. Whether it be if they fall on hard times... Say it's mental health, we're not qualified to give mental health, but on our app, there'll be somebody we recommend, say, speak to him because he spoke to him and he's very good, and we recommend that you speak to him. If it's financial, we've got other people deal with that. We're not qualified for that. This is a, this is a, a glorified, as I said before, WhatsApp for sports people that want to engage, want to do get into different sports or do different things, we'll help them, whether it be um, speaking opportunities, whether it be you know coming on tour, we go on tour every year to play in games and we're going to do more of those. We've got uh, talking about building academies where we're going to 
need professional um, coaches to go to different places around the world to do little bits of coaching sessions, do a question and answer, come back three or four days. So it's an opportunity to make money. That's what we were looking for. Okay. And when you said that a former player had only had the numbers of four former players... And he had eight clubs. Yeah. I'm not stunned by that from conversations I've had with former players. And as a young fan, I used to naively think that if you played in a football team, these professional teams, they were all best mates with each other. And they're not. They're just work colleagues. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, and they're, yeah. just, they're just passing... They put chips in the night half the time. One, I remember we signed... Forrest, we signed Ace of Hartford... We welcomed him in. Hi, Ace, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. We go and play Everton away. Uh, and we come down afterwards. He says, oh, I'm leaving. He'd only been there three days. <laughs> he, wow. Cluffy had sold him to Everton. Really? So that's how quickly it can change. What was Cluffy like for you? Um, Cluffy was great for me. He gave, he gave my first opportunity. Well, no, I'll tell you my very first meeting with Mr. Clough. We played Tottenham in the FA Cup at the City Ground. I was 17. I came off after, uh, with 10 minutes to go with cramp. Door burst open after the... It was drawn one draw and the replay was on the Wednesday. Door burst open. Mr Clough goes, I'm the new Nottingham Forest manager. Everybody goes, oh, great. And on the, on the, on the team sheet, on the uh, board near the, in the dressing room, there's a team sheet goes up of 20-odd players to go in the replay on the Wednesday. I wasn't on that 20. So I go, oh, that's me out the door. Because I played in the, in the original game. So I'm thinking, there's no way he fancies me. Um, so Tony Woodcock went, who, who wasn't even on the, in the 15 or the 16 as it was on the first, in the first game. So he goes, you, you, you played and you're not on. I wasn't even in the squad and I'm going. He goes, something's going off here. Subsequently, he took Tony, because they heard he was a decent player, but he said round the dinner table, he said, uh, young man, I've got a job for you. He said, uh, what, in front of everybody? He says, I've got a job for you. He said, uh, what is it? He says, go upstairs to 161 and outside it's a pair of shoes. Go and clean them shoes and leave them back down there. So he looked around, Tony's like 18, he looks around his table, all these senior boys go like, oh, yeah, I think you should do it, I think you should do it. So he took him, all to do was to fetch and carry for him. So he says, "I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad I. I'm, I should have stayed at home. I wish I'd stayed at home because all he got me doing was carrying his shoes and cleaning this or getting that or doing this or doing that. So I was a glorified dog's body. So, but soon, so over the piece, I, I uh, cajoled him. I bought him a drink or I cleaned his shoes or did his garden, and I got back in the team. So I was. Uh, my first impression wasn't the best." You played for the Forest team, which won promotion to the First Division in 77. Yeah. You won the League Cup a year later. Yeah. You'd become league champions. You became European champions twice. Yeah. It's incredible to think of Nottingham Forest being the European champions. Average crowd of 19,000. Wow. Yeah. Um, we had, a, we had a, a, a group of players together at the time, at that moment in time. Remember, it only lasts about five years. I was the last one to leave because they all disbanded for whatever different reasons. John Robertson went to Derby, Kenny Burns went to Leeds and they all disbanded. Tony Woodcock went to Cologne. So uh, it all disbanded very quickly. Um, Why? Did they fall out with the manager? Was it no, I don't think it was. Thing? I think it was more a financial thing. I think, uh, I think Tony wanted a rise. Cluffy only offered him so much of a rise. This opportunity to go to Germany, learn a new language, learn a new culture. 
would be uh, something he wanted to do. Um, so it was one of the culmination of a lot of things. It was just people wanted to move on and some people wanted more money and the club didn't have enough money to do it. And what was your highlight as a Forest player? People saying uh, you won back-to-back European Cups and I'd say, yeah, great. And I'll, I'll cherish, cherish those moments. Remember, it's only eight games in them days. It wasn't yeah. like now. It's like six, 18 games, is it? When you, you talk yeah. about the group stages and everything else. You have a bad night, you're out. It's one of those. So it's like a bit like the FA Cup, really. Yeah. Um, so, but I say, out of all the achievements, I say when we got promoted and we won the league, League One title, because it's not a fluke. You, it's over a nine-month period. It's like it's like Liverpool and Man City now going head to head. You know, they've been consistent throughout the year. You know, nine months or ten months or however long the season is. So I think Liverpool's only lost once. That tells you a level of performance. Week in, week out, when it's raining, when it's snowing, when it's sunshining, the level of performance is at the top. So I think to achieve any, to win any league is a great achievement. So I always think of that one first. Come up and win it. And that Liverpool team... Yeah, we, 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 we get them in the first round as well. So we go, all oh, the places we could go, Barcelona, Madrid, and all the different places we get. Liverpool, we play them every week. So Kenny Burns' quote, that was one of Kenny Burns' quote. But yeah, they were European champions and we uh, we managed to beat them, yeah. yeah. In 1978, you had your first England cap. Yeah. I mentioned there that you were the first black player to play for England. This podcast is brought to you in association with The Athletic and some of the things that have been on The Athletic recently. Um, Danny Taylor's done a big piece on Manchester United. He's joined The Athletic uh, from The Guardian and there's some very good insight in there. Uh, Also, I've spoken to uh, Mr Tosic, now of Partizan Belgrade, formerly of Manchester United and before that, with Partizan Belgrade. He's got an interesting uh, story. Um, what else have we got? Well, in United We Stand, I've done a, a big interview with Ed Woodward. I went to see him last Thursday and, I, and then I spent the next three days writing it up. I put um, the questions to him, which I, I think, as a Manchester United fan, need to be asked. Uh, I think he deserves to be challenged. Um, I want some answers. I want to know what's going wrong and I had a long list of questions which I put to him. I spoke to him for over 90 minutes and he answered every one which I, I put to him. Uh, I've been after interviewing him for a couple of years. We did a previous interview with him in United We Stand in 2013. So I lost my weekend to writing that interview up. So I'd appreciate it if you can support United We Stand and support what we're doing. I've put a huge amount of time into that and into this magazine as well. It goes on sale against Liverpool uh, before the game at Old Trafford on Sunday. Uh, You can also download uh, the digital edition. That'll be available from Sunday as well. Um, And that's from as little as 6 99 per quarter or you can buy the mag outside the ground or in in newsagents it's a huge interview and if we're going to carry on doing stuff like that we need people to buy it it's as simple as that and we need it for, for me to put a huge amount of time into it for united we stand rather than for other people uh, we need people to support what we're doing so that's out on sunday and here's the rest of the chat 
with Viv Anderson. And we'll bring you the next podcast from Liverpool as well. I'll be doing that at Old Trafford at the weekend. It was, uh, of course, it was a big story. Um, Laurie Cunningham, God rest his soul, isn't with us, um, was the first under-21 international. Yeah. Um, so there was always debate about in the papers whether it's going to be Laurie, whether it's going to be me. Yeah. So it was always, um, we shared a room, we shared a room in, uh, um, uh, where was it, Sofia yeah. with England, and we talked about cars. We never talked about who was going to be the first. It was yeah. never, it was never like that. It was like, if it is, it is. If it's me, it's you. If it's, if it's not me, yeah, we just get on with it. So um, it was a big thing. Clearly, it was a big thing. Um, and uh, even now, I, I was in London last week, and taxi drivers always say, "I've I'm remembered more in London than I am in Nottingham." I think uh, for for that reason, I think uh, I saw your debut all those years ago. Blah 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 blah. blah. So um, yes, I'm very proud to be first at anything. It's a great honour, isn't it? You were born in Nottingham. What yeah. was the background? Where were your parents from? My parents are from uh, Jamaica, right. Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, so Andy they're Cole, part of the Wind, Windrush generation. Andy Cole's also from Nottingham, and his yeah. parents are also from Jamaica. Right. And he would say that his father had very little interest in football because he he was a cricket mad. Same. So even when same. Cole, exactly Cole, the same. Cole would say, you know, Dad, I'm in the European Cup final. Do you want to come? <laughs> no, sorry. <not>. Good luck <laughs> to your son, but. Mine wasn't quite that bad. <laughs> uh, my debut, my mum was a nurse, so she was working. But my, I went with my, oh, well, my dad came down and we went back together. So, um, yeah, my dad was a big cricket fan as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody talks about that. I, I was the one, there was always stere- uh, stereotypical views on black players at the time. They, they didn't like the cold, they had to wear gloves, some had wore tights and all the rest of it. And, and I, this was bollocks, no? Yeah, it was loads of bollocks, yeah. Um, I didn't like long sleeve shirts, so I always wore short sleeve shirts. And my job was to kick people. Club used to say, your job is to keep the ball out of my net. And if it means kicking him, you kick him. That's what my job was. My first, always remember playing against Barnsley, Peter Barnes, John Barnes, whoever, whoever was the winger, the first ball goes up to the winger, you'd go bang. And they'd go, Viv, what are you doing? He said, well, if you don't like it, you've got to, you can go over there. So they go, they go over there, and the, the left back would do the, exactly the same, and they cut, they're caught in between. Well, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go over there. I'll play there somewhere. So that was his philosophy, anyway. But he said, "I'd pay you to keep the ball out of my net. I'd pay you to defend. If you can do anything going forward, it, that is a bonus. You are paid to defend. Simple." You talked about some of the, the pretty nasty things which were said about about black players. Was the racist abuse from the terraces? Oh, I remember going to um, Newcastle, uh, only must have been fourth, fifth game, um, at Newcastle away when Tudor, McDonald, all that great Newcastle team and great atmosphere. So I remember going out to the look at the pitch before and then getting dogs abuse. Um, just, so, just, because just because, yeah, just because of the black. We don't see many black faces in Newcastle, yeah. do they? So, and I go back into to Mr. Clover saying, I don't think I can play today, boss. He goes, why? He says, well, I'm getting abuse. And he says, you're playing. One of those. Wasn't wasn't a debate. Wasn't up for debate. He says, you're playing. The only reason you're here is because you're good enough. And you have to prove to them that you are good enough. And and I was 17. And that that, uh, set me in good stead for the rest of my career. I never really listened to it. I never really took it all in. I just got on with playing the the best I could. You went to Arsenal in 
1984. Yeah. Decent Arsenal team. You had pretty good years. Yeah, we had uh, a lot of good players. You look at O'Leary, uh, Woodcock, Mariner, Ricks, Sanson. Uh, who was the midfield players? Um, I'm trying to think. Stevie Williams, Charlie Nicholas, them sort of players. And we were really good in competitions, but not very good in the league. We could never sustain it. We were one of those. On our day, we could beat anybody, and on our day, we could get beat by anybody. We wasn't, as I said earlier, not consistent enough to win the league, but very good in cup competitions. Yeah. So we, uh, I think, in my, uh, I was there three, four years. We won the Milk Cup twice, I think, or something like that. Yeah. So, and we beat Liverpool in one of them. Even when it, uh, when, when, when Liverpool win, when Russ scores the first goal, Liverpool always win. Um, he did in that day, he scored the first goal and we beat him 2 1. Charlie got two of them. So, yeah, there's some good times. As I said earlier, I was the last one to leave Forest at the time. Uh, everybody had gone, I was left. I think I was due a testimonial in a couple of years and I got the opportunity to go to uh, London. I just got married and it was a good opportunity to go to London and try at a big club, see uh, if um, I can emulate what we did at Forest. You couldn't quite do that, but no. was was it good living in London? Yeah, it was Arsenal? good. It was good to go. It was good to experience. Um, um, and we had some good players. Yeah, we had some really good players, and, and some even mates today. Uh, Paul Mariner came over. He lives in America now, and uh, he came over at Christmas, and we had a night out together with a few of my mates as well. So we still keep in touch from time to time, even through the app. Paul's on the app, so he, he tweets, he uh, texts from time to time how things going, and it's sunny here in America. Hello, it's raining here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Before I talk about you moving to United in, in 87, we've got some questions for you from United We Stand readers. Um, you don't have to answer some of these. Some, <laughs> of, they, them, some they... of them might not even be correct. Well, the first one is, where did you get your energy from? Um, <laughs> didn't know I had that much energy, in fairness. Um, you couldn't have seen me play. Yeah. Um, no, mum and dad, probably. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Kenny Burns or Norman Whiteside? In a tackle and in the bar. Who would you have? Oh, God. Uh, Kenny definitely in the tackle, but Norman hundred percent in the bar. Uh, despite huge sums paid to modern day players now, do you consider yourself lucky to play in an era where there was more camaraderie, characters, and atmosphere? I, I don't. Um, I'd listen. I'd love to earn four hundred thousand pounds a week, but I would not swap the time I played for now. It was a good. It was a, a very successful time for me. I, uh, not relatively because they've got, those wages have gone through the roof but I was when I came to Man United there was only three or four players on more money than me so and you were in a decent money yeah right? decent money yeah yeah, yeah yeah but not as it is now no yeah. but you could live in yeah yeah, yeah, not, yeah, 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 yeah 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 all that stuff so I would not swap it for anything my time as a footballer but I don't regret them I, I'll tell you a great story we had a lad called don't laugh Ina Ors he came from Bayern Munich to Forest, 600 grand. Einer Horst. Einer his name was. Um, he was, uh, he, he was, I think he was Danish. Very stylish, a bit like Alan Hansen. Very good, comes out the back and plays. And um, we paid 600 grand for him at Forest, which was a lot of money in them days. And we play uh, Sunderland away. And uh, he goes back to get the ball off the goalkeeper. Knocks it back to the goalkeeper. And there's nobody around him in... 20 yards, falls down. Everybody in the stadium laughs. I laughed as well. I'm playing in the game because it was so funny. He never played football again. So that's how quickly it can change. So 
Good luck to them if they can earn the money they can earn and they can look after their families and themselves. Good luck to them. I've got no, I'm not one of those bitter and twisted footballers who say, oh, they're not worth this, they're not worth that. Uh, I'm not one of those. I'd love to have earned that money, but my time was different. That's the way it works. But as you say, I still gained more than the, the, uh, the common man. And so um, I was quite pleased when I played. Why didn't you stay in management coaching? As within football, you were noted for having the ideal manner for such roles. I, uh, I was the manager at uh, Middlesbrough Fo- uh, Barnsley Football Club because uh, uh, myself and Brian Robson were roommates with England and he said, things being equal, if I get a job, you get a job, uh, would we work together? I said, yeah, let's, let's see it. So I got the offer of the Barnsley job and I said to Ron Robson, what do you think? He said, yeah, take it, it'd be a good experience for you. And then when I finally stop at Man United and I get a job, uh, you make the decision then. So I did, took it, and uh, started off very badly. <laughs> finally got the grips of the players and the system that was suited the players. Took a while, but we got there in the end. Managed to stay up, well, mid-table in the end, with Barnsley Football Club. Then Bob said, uh, I've got this middle of the job. And I spoke to Steve Gibson and uh, Keith Lamb, uh, who, was a, who was the chief exec, and uh, they convinced me it was a good move. I then went to, back to Barnsley and I had Danny Wilson with me, who was, who was my... We were both players. players. I was a uh, player manager and he was assistant manager. Uh, both players. And I said, if, I, if I've got a chance of going to Middlesbrough, I think I'm going to take it. I think you should give Danny Wilson the job because he, he's... Got the continuity. It's the continuity. He's been there with us anyway, with me, and I think he'd be good at the job. And they gave him the job, and he got promoted, and I went to Middlesbrough. And the the answer to the question is, uh, after we left Middlesbrough, we were there seven years, a uh, couple of opportunities, but nothing really concrete. And I had a part of an events company, so I ended up joining them. So I never really so I'd, I'd go back from time to time, uh, dip in, do a bit of punditry now and again, and uh, I'm quite happy doing that. Uh, Viv, not a question, asks a reader, Koba, but a comment. Don't ever underestimate the significance and hope you gave to millions of black kids like me when you pulled an England shirt on. Quite nice. Yeah, it's lovely, yeah. Um, next question. Uh, how did you feel when Mick Mills took your potential spot at the World Cup? Um, in 82, that was. Um, I was a young boy then, I, I don't know, 20 or something like that. Um, and he, he, was take, he was taking me for experience at the World Cup. Deep down, I didn't really think I would play. There was Mickey Mills and Phil Neal in that squad. So I had, they had to do a lot for me to be in. I'd have to go around and smash him on the knees or something in the night uh, for me to play. Um, but the uh, Mexico one was the one I, I expected to play. Uh, but I got injured prior to it and Bobby took me, thinking I might be fit when I'm there. And Gary Stevens got in, did really well, and never played. So, um, and people say, do you regret not going to two World Cups, not playing? I go, no. You look at the things that, the good things that's happened to me while I've been playing football. You know, you're bound to have some downside. And uh, obviously I'd like to have played, but I don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I wish I'd played in, in the World Cup. No. Next question is from Remo. What are your memories of the 5-1 defeat to Manchester City in 1989? Let's be honest with you, it wasn't your finest moment in a red shirt. No, it was not. Um, I, what I remember is uh, we started really well after 20 minutes and there was a pitch invasion at the, at the far end and the referee took us off for 15, 20 minutes. 
<laughs> we never recovered from them. Um, it was one of those days where everything went well, went badly, um, especially against your own your main rivals. Um, it wasn't the best of performances. The only good thing I can take out of that performance is Sparky's overhead kick, which which was one of the best goals was was the best goal on the day. But uh, we didn't perform after we came out. Um, but I'm glad the uh, it's been eradicated with since subsequently since then because uh, they got beat five at home, yeah, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. So I'm glad they're not talking about my one and our one. They're talking about another one. So let's uh, let's quickly swift over that one. When Viv was at Arsenal, I remember him claiming in an interview with Shoot Magazine that he was a Man United fan as a child. Is yeah. this true? What yeah. made you be a Red and who was your favourite United player as a kid? I came for a year off and on, every school holiday, and stayed with Johnny Aston's mum and dad. Wow. Yeah. Uh, not every time, but I stayed there a few times. And uh, out, they were, they were um, if you go out the ground, go towards town, you used to have a house out there. Um, and then um, and I just I was just scouted and they said keep on coming every year and after the year they said uh, I don't think I'm going to make it at Manchester United so I went back I'd just left school so I got a job as a silk screen printer which means you get the sandwiches at lunchtime yeah. and make tea <laughs> and I was there for six months and then Forrest came up and said uh, would you play in our youth team I played in their youth team twice I think then they said they wanted to sign me, so I signed Apprentice when I was 17, and I made my debut when I was 17. So I used to go to Manchester United for a year off and on. I went to a game with, um, uh, who was the manager? It was a young manager. Oh, God. Dave Sexton? No, before that, yeah, yeah, Franco yeah. Franco Farrell? No, before that. Tommy Doherty? No, before that. Yeah. Wilf McGuinness. Wilf McGuinness. I went with Wilf McGuinness. He was manager of Manchester United to a game. He took me and another lad to the game. They played Everton away and he was the manager. Alan Gowling played that night. Yeah. So uh, there was lots, uh, lots of uh, young players there. Um, Arnie Sidebottom was yeah. one, people like that. Wow. They were around when I was there. So I used to go up every, every school holiday and they said, you're not going to be good enough. And uh, I always remember we stopped training and watch Best Lawn Charlton train. So... After that, he doesn't get any better than that. So I was a Man United fan ever since. But they were wrong. You were good enough. You won <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there was loads of them. They're all English internationals. They're all Welsh internationals. They're all, you know, creme de la creme. And there's me skinny little lad from Nottingham. I don't think... Uh... What's your favourite Brian Clough story that you can put on here? Oh, God. There's loads. Um, we go, we play Wolves in the, in the Milk Cup final. If you remember it, Andy Gray scores with a clash with Peter Shilton, ball bobs down, something like that. You know better than me, yeah? I'm hopeless at dates. And the, uh, Andy Gray knocks it into the empty net. But the night before, we're in the uh, Royal Lancaster and we've got a, a suite where we get fed and everything else. It's only for us. And uh, we all go to the beds, Archie Gemmell, all the senior lads, everybody goes to the rooms. We get a phone call about half nine. So, yeah. The chief, uh, the coach, uh, Jimmy Gordon, saying, "The gaffer wants everybody down in the room uh, in five minutes." Well, Jimmy, we're in bed. We've got a game tomorrow. He goes, "No, that's when the manager wants everybody down." So we all come down. Cup final tomorrow. Are you sure? Anyway, we, sit, we get down there. As we get down there, the door opens, and there's a crate of champagne, there's a crate of orange juice. 
So we're going, what's all this? He said, nobody leaves this room until they can tell a joke that I like. So... He's got you out of bed. Got out of bed. before a cup final. Night before a cup final. Giving you... Champagne and orange juice. Everybody gets one. Archie goes, I don't drink. He says, you're, he says, you're having one. Made, made him have it in his hand. I don't know if he drank it or not. So, uh, and he go, you go round, tell the joke. Don't like that one. Go to the next one, tell the joke. I left that room at nine, uh, 12 o'clock, just after 12 o'clock. Drunk. Woke up the next day with headache. So, <laughs> we get beat 1-0. <laughs> and the rest is history. But that, but that was his way of relaxing. The same, in the same token, before we we went the first European Cup, he took us to Mallorca the week before, yeah. and and we train every day. But you've got twenty odd lads. What did you do after training? Oh, we went to the bar. We went to the bar. So we train, go to the bar, and people will be seeing us in, at night time. Going, they possibly cannot be playing in the European Cup in a week's time. It just can't be. But it was his way of relaxing. These. Alcohol was his way of relaxing the players so they didn't think of what they would, what, what's coming up. And how many pints would they be having? Oh, uh, yeah, every day it would be. The minimum of, of seven or eight pints after training. <laughs> and then we go to dinner, <laughs> you know, and then probably go to bed, then we train, then we go out in the afternoon, same again, for a week. And then we come back, and we do training, and then we go to the European Cup final. So, and win it. I'd win it, yeah. But the Wolves won, we didn't win it. No. You know, so sometimes he didn't win. I think the majority of the times he, he used alcohol as a, as a, as a way of uh, relaxing everybody. I think, if it, say, say it was four or five times, I think the Wolves one is the only one that it backfired on him. Did you enjoy your time when you went back to Manchester United in 87? Because it was a difficult time at the club. And it took time to get things right in those first few years under Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, he inherited a lot of players that, that, that the coaching staff thought they were going to be better players than they were. You know, some really good players, you know, the Lee Martins in this world, Russell Beards more. There was a few others that on the fringes of Man United first team but didn't really make it. So he was giving them time to see if they were going to be good enough. Um, so it was a, a transitional time for him. And I always remember going to my old club, Nottingham Forest, and... Uh, he, uh, in the cup tie, and Mark Robbins scores late on for us to go through. But the headlines prior to that game was, um, he's going to get the sack in the morning, one of those sort of things. Did you think he was going to? Um, players? Um, I don't... Uh, I'd put it this way, the players never discussed that, really. Okay. Um, it was never uh, a, a topic of conversation in the dressing room. Um, I think I was quite surprised to see the headline on the morning of the game, you know. But um, but he always had the, 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 the butts and the Beckhams and the gigs in the waiting in the wings. So that was always, it was always just give him enough time. And you could see these lads coming Oh, yeah, them. yeah. Giggs came and played in... Um, I went, me, myself and Brian went to see um, our youth team play at Preston. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was at Burnley. And I remember it. Ryan Giggs must have been 15... And he came after school to play in the youth team. They were under 18, he was 15, 16, something like that. And we both looked at one another and said, he's going to be a superstar. Really? You could tell. Yeah. He was going to be a superstar. He was that good at 15. So, um, and I always remember Jimmy McGregor, always liked little Scalzi. So everybody talks about Giggsy, but I think is going to be a player. So you've got, you know, a contrast of different good players uh, coming through at the right time. Beckham, um, I always remember Beckham, I always remember meeting David Beckham for the first time. We played West Ham away 
And every time we come to London, this little blonde-haired lad with his dad and an autograph book always turned up. So I always, always remember Sparky's next to me and the lad comes around the autographs again. And we go, both of us together go, who are you? You're always here when we're in London. He said, my name's David. And David Beckham was always coming in the dressing room. When he was eight, nine, getting autographs and going back to school. So they knew from an early age how good this lad was going to be. So uh, we kept on saying, are you here again? Are you getting all these autographs? What's your name? Because we never knew his name. He said, my name's David. And a nice, quiet little voice. And he turns out to be David Beckham. So he knew the, uh, the, the nucleus of a decent amount of players coming through the youth ranks were going to be good. What was your highlight as a Manchester United player? Um, did we win at Anfield once? I can't remember. Drew free all in... Yes, um, I remember that one. Strax, yeah, played in that score. one. Um, um, you, you drew nil nil. No, you didn't play in that one. Just looking at the years that you were you were there. 88-89. Uh, I know United got beat at the start of 90, 4 nil by Liverpool. So... Um, you beat um, he didn't play in that one Liverpool away this is the only other one um, what was your low point because it wasn't an easy time at times no it? no I came with a with a reputation not missing not missing any games I played I think I missed three games in four years at Arsenal I think that's what Sir Alex was looking at he was looking at the um, um, how many games to play and you're not one of these who misses a lot of games and I was one of those and really early on I got, uh, we were second, I think we were runners up in the first year I was there. And then I got an injury on my uh, uh, my foot, the base of my foot. And I, I couldn't really train and I had to have uh, different therapy on it, go to different specialists. I had to have inner soles fitted and I couldn't train in the week but play on a Saturday. Um, so I, it was frustrating in that respect that uh, I'd come with a reputation of playing a lot of games and I miss it a lot for different reasons. I did, I played in the semi-final, uh, quarter-final against Sheffield United, got injured and missed the semi-final and then missed the final. So it was a frustrating time. But I came back to the European Games, so Alex wanted me to come back because I'd been, played in Europe and I knew what it takes to win European Cup. And the idea was to give, to be in a dressing room and just go around players and, and help them to, um, you know, to, to achieve what they want to achieve by playing in Europe, which I had the experience of doing. And which of the European games did you... When, when they won it. The, yeah. Uh, you played, uh, so you played away at Pexy Monkus. Oh, did I? You did. I, I couldn't have been long, long after that. I went to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. He gave me a free chance to go to Sheffield Wednesday. You, and I came back for the European games. Yeah, you, you played Pexy Monkus away. Did I? Uh, Montpellier at home, you didn't play. Right. Montpellier where you didn't. Led you Warsaw. So, yeah, you played there. Right. So, you got a cup with us, cup medal. No, because I didn't no. play enough games. No, you didn't. No. You didn't play no. one. But exactly. You got, you, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be knocking on his door then. I'll be going back. I need a medal. Um, well. No, um, yeah, it was a frustrating time. Um, but if they say, would I swap it? No, I wouldn't swap it. It's a fantastic club. Um, and it's it was always dear to my heart. It's, I always say uh, to my missus, I said, uh, if you had the opportunity to go to Manchester United and not take it, You'd, when you're in your wheelchair thinking, I had the opportunity and didn't do it, you'd, re, you'd regret it ever since. So we took the opportunity. It didn't work as I would like it to have worked, but I would never swap it. Thank you for your time. How do we find out more about your app? Um, play, well, you've got to have played at a, a level. Yeah, okay. uh, it's an invite only. Okay. So ex-players that listen to this, 
that's played at the, the level, you know, played in the Premiership, played in the Championship. Not just football, remember, any sports person that's played at a decent level. Uh, we've got Alistair Cook, we've got, uh, we've got Darren Goff, we've got all sorts of different people. We've got jockeys, we've got, uh, we've got all sorts, snooker players, we've got all sorts. So it's not, I, I want to get away from, it's not just about football, it's just about sports people and, and coming together in a common goal. We, we, the idea is for them to make money. You know, we're here to help them through their transition into so retirement. Pros. Yes. We've got, like, for instance, we've got a 24-hour doctor. Yeah. So it's not a doctor that comes out to your house, but it's a, it's a FaceTime doctor. So when you're a player, when somebody, th- little Johnny's ill in the middle of the night, who do you ring? The club doctor. Club doctor comes out, looks after him. But when you're finished, when you retire, what do you do? Two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. So there's, an, there's, a, there's a 24-hour doctor on our app, so they can utilise that, you know. Uh, things like that, you know. We've got different offers and services, restaurants, car leasing, things that, you know, they may use. Some of the things they might use, some of them they won't use. So, you enjoying it? Yeah, I am, yes. Uh, as I said, we've just, we've just employed another reprobate that I used to play with called Billy Garden. So uh, he's Top joined us. Billy, Salford yeah, lad. Yeah, Salford lad. He's been on this podcast. Has he? Previously. Uh, well, I did a book on United in the 80s. I should have got you in it, actually. Well, and, uh, the two chapters which were the most popular uh, from anecdotal evidence were Billy's one. Billy was very, very honest. It was real stuff. You know, he had a real rough ride upon Yeah, he had, he had a and, serious illness, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, John Gidman. Oh, Giddy, yeah. And, uh, Giddy, <laughs> Giddy was um, explosive and <laughs> told me everything. And you, as a journalist, you don't normally go back to someone you've interviewed. Right. But me and Could John, you tell me that story again, please? Well, me and John had seven pints each in, uh, in the sea near Marbella, and I transcribed it all, and I said, John, I, I need you to read through some of this, because it's heavy, heavy stuff. Right. And I just thought he put a red line through it, which wasn't his right, but I thought, in drink, we might have said too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, it's, it's all great, he said, just a bit about the ex-wife, can you make it a bit stronger, because she was an absolute boom. <laughs> Well, if you know Giddy, that's good. <laughs> that's great for him. I know he lives in Spain now, doesn't he? Yeah, John's been out there probably 17, 18 yeah, years. Yeah, so yeah, I keep, yeah. I keep in touch with uh, John. He's a character. Uh, oh, I really yeah. like him. One of the few players who's played for Liverpool, Everton, United and City. Although he didn't play Liverpool's first team. He played for City. I don't remember he played, he played for, for City. City. Yeah. Oh, he he left United and joined City. Did he? And the first game was against United. And Giddy said that I said to Peter Barnes, who had been playing with the week before, okay. I'm going to kick shit out of you. Right. Hey, Giddy, there's no need for that. You know, we're good mates. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to boot you every time. Not dissimilar to what you said about <laughs> if you want to play on the other week. Yeah, then. yeah, 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 yeah. And then who are your favourite fullbacks now? Who do you like in world football? Um, who do I like in world football? Um, see, it's a different era, it's a different time. Yeah. I, I, look at, I look at defenders defending properly you know people tend to forget about that Forest team they before Arsenal the uh, Invincibles we had that record 39 games undefeated it was over two seasons you know so we knew how to defend you know we never used to work on it it just natural defenders that knew what to where to be at the right time in the right places and I look at fullbacks now they're more they're more geared to getting forward well Man United's a great example. You've got, you've got a winger playing at full back at the moment, you know, and Ash, so, Ash. yeah, yeah, because you know Ash, 
Uh, yeah, he's on. He's Ash's on the app. Yeah. yeah, nice lad. I've met him a couple of times. Yeah, uh, but it's all about what he can do going forward, opposed to defending. And uh, in my day, it was all about keeping the ball out of the net and you know making people don't play. You know, you know. I watched the goal last night. You know. Um, so this was in the Manchester derby. Yeah. Yeah, I watched the goal last night, and uh, Luke Shaw. He gets close to him, but the job now is to stop the shot. Now, if he goes through your legs and goes in. You go, oh, right. at least I had my attempt. But he didn't even attempt to stop the shot, you know, which I was taught from a very, very small age, you know, basics of defending, you know, and, uh, uh, and I think that's gone out of it more because it's more about how many goals they can score and how many crosses they can make, which the idea that the one in front of you is paid more money than you because he's better at creating stuff. And that's why Cluffy used to say, Lloyd Burns, you give it to the central midfield player because I'm paying them more money than you because they're better at doing things than you. Is that what he's saying? That's what so it made your job very simple. I get it, give it to somebody who's better than me. We used to say, we used to say, um, John Robertson was a genius. So whoever played left back, could you just say, give it to the genius and leave him. Don't do anything else. Was it Robertson who said before the European Cup final, you're absolutely rubbish, I don't know why I'm picking you? Or was it another player and uh, he went out and had one of the best games of his life? I've read, read a lot on Club here. His, his books are absolutely fantastic. <laughs> his way of motivation. He, you know, he, he's saying, players, I don't know why you're in my dressing room, you're absolutely dreadful. But yeah. Yeah. That's what proving wrong. Yeah, of course. Uh, Fans Tyson, uh, we signed him. And he came, he, he had one training session and he did a big column on, on the Evening Post, the local paper, and he said, I don't know why I signed him. It's a waste of time. <laughs> so, so that, he's only had one training session. So that's what he was like. He, he'd do things, you just go, what? You know, but... Did Tyson come from Ipswich? Yeah, yeah. Tyson was one of the first um, foreign players. And, yeah. And... Arnold Murem followed him over mm-hmm. soon after, also to Ipswich. Yeah. And Arnold uh, reckoned that by the time he'd arrived, Tyson was already a fully converted Englishman with his own snooker cue and case. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold reckons he was drinking bitter. <laughs> I, I just can't have that. And when Arnold came to United, he said that um, the players had some sort of magic potion that they used to drink. and uh, No, Arnold did. And, and because it wasn't beer, the other lads what the fuck are you drinking? You uh, know? Uh, and what was it? The other lad said it was like this green mixture, that, but Arnold said it worked for him. I've no idea what was in it. He was a very good footballer. <laughs> a very good footballer. And you look at that Ipswich team, some really, Great, really yeah. top, top players in that team. As I say earlier, Paul Mariner was one of them. He was the uh, leader in that team, I think. John Walk. John Walk. Eric Gates. Yeah, Alan Brazil. Alan Brazil. Some really, really... Um, some really the goalkeeper. Uh, yes, that's right, yeah. Cooper. Um, uh, Mick right Mills, back, we won't mention it. Yes, Mick Mills. <laughs> and the other left, left back would be Scott's boy. He, he managed Motherwell or one of those. It come to me. But um, yeah, uh, that's, you know, he had his unique way of doing things, but invariably it did work. You know, uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, you have taken one way or the other. Um, but you ask many players that play for Nottingham Forest. They, if he said go through that wall, they, he would go. He'd go for that wall. And I think Sir Alex had the same, same awe about him when he was there. If, the, if Sir Alex says, "You do this, you do it, you do it." It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. You're welcome.